0: I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Is the mic working? I baked another loaf of oatmeal bread this week. I put my largest glass bowl on the counter. Measure the flour and oats, yeast, salt, and soft butter add milk and honey warm to 120 degrees, and stir until it's a shaggy dough. I oil the countertop and turn the dough onto it. I tune my internet radio to classical Venice. I knead for 10 minutes as I remember the canals and churches of that glorious city. The dough is sticky at first, but then it becomes pliant and forms a smooth ball. I gently place it into a smaller oiled bowl for rising and find a sunny place for it to rise under a tea towel. I say, hey Siri, set the timer for 45 minutes. When the timer goes off, I look to see if it needs more time. And when it's doubled, I put it back on the counter and shape it into a loaf and slip it into a greased pan for its second rise. When the top is no more than an inch over the rim of the pan, I put it into a preheated oven until the timer goes off. And this is the hard part. Smelling the bread as it bakes until the timer goes off. Check the temperature, 190 degrees, and when it's done, turn it out on a rack to cool and cut off the heel. This ritual has comforted me every week since the beginning of the pandemic. I rejoice in my glass bowls, the abundance of oats, milk, and butter in my pantry because of curbside pickup, the miracle of yeast rising, the labor that engages my entire being, the satisfaction that I can feed my family. I'm so thankful. Each time as I look at the bread sitting on the counter, I think bread of life. Bread sustains life. The manna in the wilderness fed the wandering Israelites and the bread of the Eucharist has fed Christians for centuries. All over the world, Christians break bread in worship on Sundays. Bread baked with prayers and placed with gentleness and respect on the altar. We do this in all times and places as our prayer book reminds us. In times of famine or war, economic depressions or recessions, droughts, fires or floods. The celebration of the Eucharist is a sacred ritual, a spiritual practice with many shapes and forms. From spiritual communion as we practiced it in the throes of the pandemic, the sharing of communion kits at home, and now able to receive the living bread here at church. We come to this table just as we are, wherever we are in our personal and spiritual lives. We hold out our hands seeking bread, but more than bread. We seek hope, healing, justice, peace, peace, For ourselves and those we love. We seek wisdom, strength, and courage. We seek community and a deeper relationship with God. And God knows these times have tried us. St. Paul tells it like it is in today's letter to the Ephesians. The days are evil. Here in the western United States, we suffer unrelenting drought and historic forest fires that have burned much of Sonoma County and leveled the cities of Paradise and Greenville. I read the UN climate change report issued this week. It concludes, quote, continued global warming is projected to further intensify the global water cycle, including its variability, global monsoon precipitation, and the severity of wet and dry events. Their technical maps that they show on page 23 project increasing drought for California. And closer to home, parents and grandparents and teachers and others hold our breath as unvaccinated children return to classrooms. You never know, I found myself muttering several times this week. We may come to church today with grief anxiety, and even anger about many things. Loved ones were losing or lost, climate change, the coronavirus, or untold political upheavals, including the fall of Afghanistan. We come because Christ calls us here to make the most of time, to understand what the will of the Lord is, to be filled with the Spirit, and to give thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Paul says it well. Yes, the days may be evil, but in the Holy Eucharist, Christ instituted the sacrament to bring us together, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord in our hearts. Moses gave the Israelites manna, but the risen Christ gives us a community to give good enough thanks to God. Thanks as we are able in the midst of evil days. God created you and me in love and God yearns for us to have all we need to get through hard times and not just to get through them, but to be raised to new life after the death of illusions, hopes, dreams, loves or whatever in our lives has died or is dying as christians we have the bread of the eucharist and the living word of jesus saved in our gospels jesus promises us eternal life life lived with him today and when at last we leave our mortal bodies jesus promises those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and i in them In the ritual of the Eucharist, Jesus shares an eternity of love with us. Love here today as we wonder how to save water, prevent apocalyptic fires, make a living, love our families, and work for justice and peace as we are able. Love tomorrow and love the next day as we see him in the word of scripture and in the lives of those who care for us in his name love as we leave these mortal bodies to join Jesus in eternity. I remember a time in upstate New York when I was working full-time at a university, an assistant professor, trying to publish enough articles to get tenure, which I didn't get. To design new courses that the department wanted, to love and raise our young daughter, and to figure out how we were going to make it all work when the recession hit, and my husband was laid off. Outside, I was functioning well enough, teaching classes where students and I learned new materials side by side, doing some research with the help of two gifted research assistants, and enjoying family activities like ice skating or fishing or hiking along the Erie Canal. But inside, I was an anxious mess of shaggy dough that needed to be kneaded more than 10 minutes to come together, let alone rise into bread for the world. Then our church sponsored a retreat for women at Abbey of the Genesee, a nearby Trappist monastery. I had never been on a retreat before and was worried what it would mean. Would my fears be exposed? Would I look weak or needy? The retreat leader was an Episcopal laywoman, a spiritual director who invited us to walk around or sit quietly with Matthew 6. I remember clearly sitting under a tree with the sun shining and reading, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not of more value than than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And suddenly, I felt peace. I was worthy of God's love. I felt strong enough for the road ahead. As we gathered in the chapel pews at four o'clock in the morning, behind monks who were chanting psalms, my heart joined with them in thanksgiving for this mystery, this holy fear of the Lord that the psalmist names. The fear of the Lord is not anxiety about God's judgment a death-dealing fear that buries our hearts and minds in guilt or shame. The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fear, an emotion, a movement that opens our hearts and minds and bodies, too, to God, our Creator, Jesus, our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit who blesses us with grace and peace. The fear of the Lord is a holy fear, a spirit full respect and honor for God, An honor that guards us from evil, turns us away from distractions, and inspires us to understand what the will of the Lord is. In a ritual like bread making in a home kitchen, or meditating on scripture under a tree, in the ritual of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and in sharing the bread of the Eucharist, time lifts its heavy burden off our hearts. In gratitude for abundant pantries and glass bowls, for Bibles and spiritual friendships, we can taste and see the love that reaches out to us from eternity, from Christ, who invites us into a holy, if only momentary rest, nourishment and peace. In whatever rituals you may have come to embrace in this wearying pandemic, like calling a distant relative, or walking, or singing, or writing, or tending a garden, or making a cup of tea. And whether you logged into Zoom Church or drove to this place today, Jesus is present. Jesus is here as we open our hearts and minds to perceive him, as we welcome the strength and courage and grace he offers us on this dry and stony road. In our baptismal vows, we place our hearts and minds and bodies at the service of Jesus to do good and seek peace and pursue it in the words of our Psalm today. So many people and things would tempt us from walking in the way of insight, from working to transform a broken world. If it's one silver lining of this pandemic, I'm learning how easily I am distracted by ads in my inbox, social media, and news reports, as if any more information about Eddie Bauer sales or political corruption in Albany or resistance to masks in Texas will heal, restore, and strengthen me. No. In whatever evil days we may suffer, our mindful enactment of daily rituals, daily prayer, meditation on scripture breaking bread in the Eucharist. This is the true food that Christ gives us to participate in eternal life, to understand the will of the Lord, and to pursue it. For Jesus promises, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the world is my flesh. Amen.